Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen, and I am in studio with my husband, Chris Conley, who is also the lead pastor of High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And we are so thrilled that you have joined us. We are in the midst of a series on spiritual gifts, talking about the Holy Spirit and a whole host of topics that all kind of unfold as you start unpacking that package. I'm excited about this topic because... Unfortunately, the confusion and misunderstanding about spiritual gifts to cause us to avoid the topic. Actually, spiritual gifts is one of the most exciting things that we have because it's a unique way that God has wired us, developed us, given us these incredible abilities for his purpose to serve him. In many ways, it's the most underdeveloped resource in the entire church. So if we can take a positive view of spiritual gifts, then we can tap into what has been untapped and we can mobilize people to find their passion. We can mobilize people to make a difference like never before. So while there are a few gifts that have some controversy surrounding them, though I believe scripture provides clarity, I really want us to take a look at gifts that we look at them as just this incredible asset and for us to be excited about discovering our gift, developing our gift, and then employing our gifts. Could not agree with you more. And as I'm in the process right now of doing some writing, I'm writing on the subject of contentment. And I know you and I, Chris, have had the conversation that no one will find contentment apart from their purpose. Yes. And no one is going to find their purpose apart from understanding how God has wired them, how God has gifted them. So I hope that everybody will see this as a very practical topic that we are on. It's not just intellectual. It's not just academic. It's not just for theologians. It is right here in our day-to-day life. And so in our previous podcast, we've kind of talked about spiritual gifts on a more broad level, on a more generic level. But we're going to go from generic to spiritual specific. And that's what the hope is for this particular topic. And, and it's going to take us some time to do that because this is a big topic. So we'll start getting specific today, but then we will become more and more specific. We'll talk about all the different gifts, but then in future podcasts, we'll narrow our focus on a few gifts and really dive in. I know there are places all throughout scripture that reference these spiritual gifts. What are the specific spiritual gifts? Where can they be found? First of all, you can find different lists of the spiritual gifts in five different locations in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Ephesians 4, 11. And then 1 Peter 4, 11. Each of these, they're not duplicate lists. Each of these are looking at the topic of spiritual gifts, and they're addressing it. Some gifts that are listed are repeated, but the purpose when you look at spiritual gifts from all of these lists is not to provide a comprehensive, like, final list that these are all the gifts there are, but rather discuss the topic of spiritual gifts. There are actually spiritual gifts not listed that God has given us in life that may not be listed in scripture. You've just listed five specific references talking about not having a final comprehensive list. So that just kind of begs the question, well, I mean, how many spiritual gifts are there? Well, we can look at spiritual gifts kind of in two categories, that they really fall under the category of speaking gifts or serving gifts. Let me just give you kind of a general overview of some of the gifts. You know, when we talk about a word of wisdom 
or word of knowledge that we see that there are certain gifts that fall into that category of speaking gifts, that these are gifts that God has given us in the way that we can impart his truth, speak his truth, apply his truth into people's lives. Then there are other gifts like faith and gifts of healing or working of miracles. And as we even say those, asking themselves, give you an even more practical example, that if you were on a deserted island by yourself and someone gave you a Bible, and you read that Bible, and after you read the entire Bible by yourself on this island, and someone were to interview you and ask you whether or not the gifts exist or whether or not they have ceased to exist, no one is going to come out of that saying, you know what, I think I found somewhere in Scripture where they cease to exist. No, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We need the gifts today just as much as we've ever needed them in the past. The gifts exist. It's just making sure we have the proper exercise of those gifts, manifestation of those gifts, the proper use of those gifts. And we see that really spelled out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 that talks to us about how to use those gifts. So as we look at gifts like faith and gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, the discerning of spirits, kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, again, that kind of gets into the controversial stuff. And that's where we'll dive into those a little bit later. We'll address those at a greater level of detail in future podcasts. We mentioned in one of our previous podcasts, you spend a significant amount of time diving in to the very minutia of these to really understand what does the Bible say? While you couldn't find a deserted island that someone would let you go to, you pretty much locked yourself up so that you could really remove any stereotype, remove any preconceived idea that was somebody else's opinion. And that's our encouragement to our listeners. Yes, sometimes, depending on your background, this may not raise one hair on your head at all. For other people, even just talking about words and you talking about the gifts of being of speaking right there raises a red flag. So I would just encourage everyone to go, okay, let me just listen and hear and go look in my Bible and study for myself as we are continuing to bring these truths, not just to go on what what you've always known, but to go back and go, okay, what does scripture really say? So you referenced several that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. Do you want to discuss maybe a couple of those other references that you mentioned? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, it talks about there's apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, helps, administration, and kinds of tongues. So like when we look at the apostles, prophets, and teachers, those are functions. There are certain things that in my life, I am a pastor teacher. God has gifted me in a certain way. And so that's a function that I carry out. It's a role and responsibility that I have, but I've been gifted in that area. You know, as we go through in Romans chapter 12, he talks about prophecy. So he repeats that service teaching, exhortation, giving, the gift of giving, leadership, showing mercy. And for some of us that maybe mercy is a little bit more challenging, yes, there's actually a gift for showing mercy. And when you have met certain people who can just cry in a moment's notice and just love people and embrace people, those people typically have the gift of mercy. We see in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 11, again, the repetition of apostles, prophets, then evangelists, pastors, teachers, and then they all fall into these categories in 1 Peter 4, 11. All these gifts can fall into a category of speaking or service. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. 
you're just trying to make it simple and you're thinking about gifts, that would be one way to define the two distinct types of gifts of speaking and then whoever renders service from 1 Peter 4, 11. Right, because as I walk through all of those gifts, and obviously we're just kind of listing them out. We're not breaking them down here in this moment. You see that there's a great diversity of gifts. Now, this diversity of gifts, it's important that they don't divide us. Mm. Actually, the diversity of you know, you know, if, if one member of the body is a hand and another member of the body is a foot, they each have their unique, specific role and function in the body, but they operate together for the common good of the body, for the overall good of the body. And so in that way, these gifts are not about us as individuals, as much as the gifts are about the body as a whole, about the church as a whole, about the overall purpose, mission, and unity of the church. Help me with this, Chris, because as you're sitting here and saying those things, what popped into my mind is that there are two ways that I see the division, and that is where different churches, maybe of different denominations, would divide because they don't necessarily agree with the presence of all of the gifts or that they are currently active. That's one way. And then even within a body, that pride is a horrible thing that exists within most of us. And it's either of being more prideful of the gift that you have and elevating it over somebody else's gift, or even that longing to have a gift that somebody else has. Are those maybe the two primary ways that you see that division if we're not careful? Yes, there's definitely theological differences, perspectives that people take. There is a way for us to agree to disagree on some of those things in a respectful way. There are times that some of those disagreements, it would make it difficult for us to be united as different churches, but yet we can still honor one another. We can still respect one another but yet we do see things differently. Now, I do believe, I, I want to make this loud and clear, I think Scripture is clear. <laughs> the mistake in the theological differences isn't Scripture. It's just the interpretations that we take. But I do think that if we will walk through Scripture and allow Scripture to speak for itself, there's clarity. The second thing that you mentioned about elevating different people's gifts or how pride gets involved, if the gifts are not about the individual— and the gifts are about the common good of the body, then pride shouldn't be involved because the gifts aren't about you. They're not about elevating you in any way. Really, the gifts are about making sure we are serving others, not ourselves. So when pride shows up, we know that expression of the gifts, the operation of the gifts is being misused. And it goes back to the reason why Paul placed chapter 13 in the middle of chapter 12 and chapter 14 because above all things, how we love one another is what should govern the expression of gifts. I love that. Just sitting here thinking about at the time of this recording have just come past Holy Week and we saw such an incredible picture within our body of all of the gifts coming together. There wasn't anybody that was there doing it to be the center of attention or anything like that. But it truly was going, okay, how do I use my gift? And that's what I think the picture we want to see is, like you said, no one in it for themselves and all of us realizing the only reason God gave you that gift was for you to use for his glory. Well, here's one of the most misunderstood things about Easter. 
yes, there are people that come that maybe they're just not as consistent in their attendance and maybe they're more of the Christmas, Easter, kind of Mother's Day type crowd. But let's look at it from a different perspective for a moment. Maybe one of the reasons why Easter is such a unique, special opportunity is because more people serve at Easter than any other time. Mm. Like in the life of our church, we had thousands upon thousands of people attend, but we had a thousand people committed to serve. The scripture says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But when it comes to Easter, we get more people to serve than any other time of the year. So maybe there's a direct correlation between the number of laborers, the number of people serving, the number of people using their gifts and the harvest that we see at Easter time. We need to kind of flip our paradigm at times and understand that Easter is an incredible picture of the potential of the church. What is the potential of the church when we actually use our gifts? We know from the list that you read earlier, not any one person has all of those gifts, but it is possible for two people to have the same gift. Obviously, there's not an unlimited number, so that makes sense. Is it always going to look the same? Do you get the same dosage? You know, does everybody have the same amount? If, if their gifting is leadership or teaching, how does that look and what should it look like between different people? If I'm hearing you correctly, you're asking If you and I both have the gift of leadership, will we be equally strong in that gifting? Yes, that's a better way to put it. Well, I would say as we look at it, the answer is no. Now, I wish it were that easy. I wish we would just kind of have this dosage, like you said, of leadership given to us, and we're just simply kind of mechanically operating right out of it. But we have a responsibility to develop that gift. Paul says that if we have the gift of prophecy, we should use it in proportion to our faith. Use our gift in proportion to our faith. So it's indicating that the gift can be more or less strongly developed in different individuals. We have a responsibility, just as Paul told Timothy, not to neglect the gifts that we have. Not only that, but he goes on to tell Timothy, he says, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. So it's possible that you and I have both been given the gift of leadership, but are we developing that gift to the best of our ability? Are we praying and devoting ourselves to prayer for the use of that gift? Are we taking steps of faith in acting upon our faith, a faith that has the ability to, as scripture says, move mountains. And what do I mean by that? Well, move those hurdles, to move those obstacles, to move those things in life that are preventing the will of God or the mission of God from being advanced. We have a responsibility to develop our gifts. The more we use our gifts, the stronger we can become in the usage of our gifts. Now, there's also this divine and human influence in our gifts. It's important for us to realize that though we develop our gifts, there's also that aspect where God shows his favor. Some people call that anointing, that you have the anointing of God upon your life. And that's kind of a mysterious thing. A lot of times people make this connection and they think that the anointing of God is directly related to your spiritual maturity. And unfortunately, that's not true. The Corinthians had a very strong expression of their gifts, but yet they were immature. Sometimes gifts can be confusing to us because we can see someone who's actually spiritually immature have a strong expression 
of their giftedness, we can see the anointing of God upon someone who's very young and maybe hasn't had the time to develop and grow in in all the expressions of spiritual maturity. And so there's times like that that we just have to be thankful that God uses all of us imperfect people, and he just takes these broken vessels and uses them for his purpose. Let me back up just a little bit, because what you just communicated, there's a lot behind just a few statements that you made. There's this element of God's part of the gift, and then there's our part. How much of that human part is that faith component that you talked about, and how much of it is the practice? Well, this will kind of make you laugh, because anybody that knows me knows that I am absolutely tone deaf. Yes. I do not have the ability to sing whatsoever. So if I don't have a gift of singing, it doesn't matter how much I try to develop myself as a singer. I don't have that gifting, and the anointing and the favor of God can be upon me, and I'm still going to sing out of tune. When we look at area where I am gifted, then I have the responsibility to do all things in excellence unto the Lord. So I need to do everything I possibly can to develop that gifting. And then I need to do everything I possibly can to pray and ask God to bless and to do what I cannot do. Now, maybe this is an important way to look at it. When I am faithful to do what only I can do, then my faith intersects with God's faithfulness and God will do what I cannot do. I love that. And that is practical and helpful because I wrote a women's Bible study a couple of years ago and have been blogging. That is an area where I feel like the Lord has given me some talent, but it's being developed. So it's not at its maturity. Now, can God anoint it now? Yes. But is there also a process by which he is continuing to grow and sharpen that particular talent as I am being faithful with a little. That's a great way to say it, is that when you're faithful with a little, then what he will do, he'll honor that, and then he'll put you in charge of much, so he'll increase your level of responsibility in accordance with your faithfulness. And then as he gives you more responsibility, he begins to empower you and empower your giftedness through the Holy Spirit to make a difference for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 29 and 30, Paul kind of gives us this list of questions. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? What is he communicating? This is all within the context of these gifts. What is the point that he's making here? He's making an obvious point. As we go through those questions, what emerges is this obvious, strong answer of no, no, not everybody is an apostle. No, not everybody is a prophet. Not everybody teaches. Not everybody works miracles. Not everybody possesses gifts of healing or tongues or the gift of interpretation. No, 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 no. But what he does do is say there are all these different gifts. There's a variety of gifts. There's diversity of gifts, but there's unity among the gifts for the common good of building up the body, for the common good of edifying the body, for the purpose of accomplishing the mission of God. So not all of us have every gift or also, this is important, not all of us have any one gift. So often a misunderstanding, I believe, this is where one of those confusions comes in in the area of tongues, is that there are times that people think that maybe a second blessing 
or a second baptism is the evidence of that is that you receive the gift of tongues. If we hold that up, then what we're actually saying is that everybody, you know, we can accidentally say this, not all people mean this, but we can accidentally infer that everybody should receive the gift of tongues. Well, if that's the case, then that's inconsistent with what we're seeing here in these questions and in the analogy of the body. Not everybody is a tongue, just like not everybody is an eye or ear, a hand or a foot. Many people will receive the gift of tongues, and we'll talk about what that really means and all the different definitions of that in future podcasts. But what we have to see here is that also in that whole question of is there a second blessing or a second baptism, I think we can get into danger with certain terminology like that. We receive all of the Holy Spirit at salvation, all of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation. So what we have to do is we have to understand that we're always growing in relationship with the Holy Spirit, just like we grow in relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not a it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Are we growing in our ability to understand the Holy Spirit, to walk with the Holy Spirit, to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit bring us into new places of repentance and new places of faith? Yes. To call that, though, a second, third blessing or a second baptism, I think, can make things even more confusing. You just said when someone becomes a believer that they are fully indwelled with the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. You get all of the Holy Spirit there is at salvation. Does that also apply to gifts? Like, do you get a gift and keep it forever or is it temporary or permanent? How does that work? Tricky question. The answer is yes and no. Okay. Okay. There are some gifts that are more permanent in nature. All right. We've said this before and kind of looking at our giftedness. I believe my primary gift is leadership. My second gift is teaching. My third gift is faith. Okay. And I see that God has given me certain talents. Those talents have been developed into strengths. And then when the Holy Spirit is added to those things, they're gifts from God used for his purpose. All right. And those tend to be more permanent. They are giftings that he has given me that I have used throughout my lifetime, even used some of those before I surrendered to Christ. But the difference between before Christ and after Christ is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. All right. Some gifts are more temporary in the sense of the gift of healing. For example, I have prayed for people to be healed. And there have been times that for whatever reason, in the perfect wisdom of God, I didn't see that prayer answered. But there are a few select times in my life where I've prayed for someone's healing. And I believe God gave me confirmation. And then I believe we saw evidence that someone was healed. And the gift of healing in that way depends on God's sovereign will and answering prayer for healing. There are people that may be more gifted in that area, but it doesn't necessarily mean that every single person they pray for is healed. Same thing with prophecy. There's the type of prophecy that is about end times and predicting the future. But in the New Testament, most of the prophecy is really talking about a spontaneous revelation from God where he's given you wisdom or insight into someone's life and you're able to speak truth into their life kind of to discern in that moment what they need to hear and to say something that's from the word of God something that's consistent with the word of God speaking truth into them some people again have the gift of prophecy and they operate in that in a consistent way some of us receive that as needed so some of those gifts are permanent some of those gifts are temporary so 
Not exactly the answer we always want, but I believe that's the biblical answer. Well, that will do it for this particular podcast. I'm so grateful that you have joined us. And if you would like any more information, you can go to chrisconley.net or karenconley.com. Also, highpointmemphis.com. But whatever you do, we want you to remember that love God plus love people equals love works. 